Hello all and welcome to the first ever episode of the Euro Trips podcast. This will be a podcast where uh, four blokes talk everything European football. From the Premier League to La Liga, we've got you covered. I'm your host Andy and I'm joined by our series, our series regulars, Ryan and Naeem. How are you boys? Yeah, not bad on yourself. Yeah, good thanks. Yeah, good thanks. Glad it's the weekend. Mm. Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Just, yeah, glad, yeah. glad to have the two days off of work. You know, you know it is. Yeah. It's always good, isn't it? It's a Friday feeling. Shame you can't go anywhere, can you? At the moment, you can't go for a normal sort of, you know, after work pint on a Friday. Well, you can, but I guess that's in the beer. Hassle, isn't it? It's just a hassle yeah. of having to, you know, having to um, order a table, having to, you know, yeah, do all that kind of stuff. It's just a pain. Yeah. Right, so um, what we're going to do, because it's the first podcast we're doing, I thought I'd let everyone just sort of get to know get to know us, sort of who we are, what sort of team we support. Um, so I will be covering um, Premier League, uh, Ryan will be covering um, Serie A, and Naeem will be covering La Liga. There is a fourth member called Alex, but at the moment um, he's not quite in the podcast yet. He may join us later on, we're not sure yet. But if he joins, he'll be covering the French League. Um, so I'll start off. As, as I said before, my name is Andy, uh, and I am a Liverpool fan. Uh, and my favourite player of all time is Steven Gerrard. Um, and I'll let Naeem and Ryan do the same things. If you introduce yourselves as well, and who you support, and what your favourite player is. Yeah, so um, I'm Naeem, from London. I'm an Arsenal fan, unfortunately. And my favourite player of all time is Thierry Henry. Yeah, I share the sentiment. Um, my name's Ryan, and again, once again, unfortunately, I'm an Arsenal fan, and I'd have to say, favourite player of all time, it's probably a split, because I can never split him, it's obviously Thierry Henry and uh, Ronaldinho, but yeah, I can never split them too. Yeah, some good players there. I mean, Ronaldinho was always one of those players, wasn't he, that no one ever disliked, everyone seemed to love him, didn't they? That's it. He just, just says so much about him, didn't he? And like I say, it's just everything about him was just brilliant to watch. Yeah, a very likable guy, wasn't he? In terms of the smile he had as well, you just couldn't really dislike that. That's it. Right, so that's the intros out of the way, and we'll give Alex the same the same um, chance if he joins today. Um, so um, the first agenda is going to be Italian football. Um, so we'll let Ryan. Take this, take this over, and we'll let Ryan. So, if you want to um, let us know what's happening in the Italian league at the moment, yeah. So, it's been a very interesting season in Serie A. Obviously, with Juventus not being top, and looking very unlikely now that they're going to retain the title for a, I don't even know what straight season it is. It's just out of hand, really. But uh, luckily enough, this year we've got a new team at the top, and that is Inter Milan, who are. I believe nine, or I believe after this week, they're now 10 points clear above their rivals, AC. And with only six games left, it looks incredibly unlikely that anyone's going to catch them. So it'll be very interesting to see how the final few games go. But there is a massive uh, team who could be going down in the league, and that is Fiorentina, who are in, they're in 13th place at the moment. Uh, they were 15th, but they did get a win earlier in the week, a 2-1 win away at Hellas Verona, lifting them a few positions up, but they are still only five points clear of 18th place. And obviously, one of the great clubs of it, Italian history, it'd be a massive shock to see them go down. You know, they've got some great players still in their club, lots of Frank Ribery, um, a very good striker in Dusan Vlahovic. And... Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go in terms of the other relegation candidates. Uh, Crotone already look like they're down. They could already be down. Um, Palmer, the surprising ones, really, considering they were taken over this year by an American owner who seems to really have a vision for the club. He really put a lot of effort into it. He's put his money into the club as well because they've made some significant signings, uh, most notably was Joshua Xerxes from Bayern Munich, a striker who was also wanted at the time, I believe, from Everton. And they paid, I believe, just around 10 million euros for him. But that was a big bit of business for them. And 
when you look at the other players that they've brought in as well, I mean, they spent around 18 million euros on Roberto Inglaser as well from Napoli. Hasn't really worked out too too well for him. And as well, Dennis Mann from FC Basel, another really talented young player. And yeah, it'll be sad to see them go down because they are one of those clubs, you know, the nostalgia of uh, Italian football, you know, back in the day on Channel 4. And uh, yeah, I expect them, if they do go down, to come straight back up with the squad that they've got, especially with the Ivorian Messi in Jovino on the wing, if they can retain <laughs> him, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. But yeah, that's it. I mean, in terms of relegation, that's that out of the way, really. And then there's a really good fight for the Champions League places. I mean, mm. there's only between second and sixth, there's only a few points separating these clubs, likes of AC Milan, um, Atalanta, Juventus, Napoli, even Lazio. They win their game in hands. There's not much separating them. And obviously, if Juventus were to miss out on Champions League football, it would be catastrophic for them, really, because they've got an incredible, you know, massive wage bill with Ronaldo and Ramsey, uh, Rabiot, players that they've brought in for low fees, but big wages. They'd struggle to shift some of those, I think. And obviously, the likes of Ronaldo and some of their better players would they want to stick around another season without Champions League football probably not so it'd be and I think it'd definitely be the end of PLO as well which would be a a shame but it'd be very interesting to see how they do obviously the six games to play so there's a lot of points still to be won and lost but yeah in terms of the rest of the league it's you know pretty much as expected Um, one interesting thing I'd like to note is a striker by the name of Simeon Nguanquao, also known as Simi, plays for Crotone, who, as I mentioned earlier, are bottom of the league. I believe they already are relegated. They've only got 15 points. But this striker has already got 17 goals this season, which puts him on the same amount of goals as Chiro Immobile, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Lotaro Martinez. He's only a few goals away from Romeo Lukaku. And that's quite an amazing record really when you consider he's playing for the worst team in the league by quite a distance and the fact that he's got 17 goals and put himself above those kind of names shows that he is a real talent and I wouldn't be shocked if some of the Premier League clubs or maybe even other clubs in Serie A or La Liga or the Bundesliga don't go for him because you know for any player to score that amount of goals is someone worth looking at because goal scorers are at premium these days. Um, but a sad thing to come out of it all was during his time with Crotone, I'm not sure if it was this season or in a previous season, um, but he was subject, unfortunately, as a lot of players are nowadays, to a lot of racism on social media. Um, some really disturbing comments that I'm not going to repeat on here, but it was terrible for him and his family and a good thing that did come out of it was the mayor of Crotone, Vincenzo Voss, or Fosse, however you pronounce it, um, gave his son honorary citizenship of the city to Nguanquao's son. And, uh, yeah, that was a good gesture from, mm. from the mayor. So, yeah, good thing to come out of it all. Yeah, so is um, Pirlo the, so is he under pressure already, Pirlo, or is he still sort of okay at the moment? Or is he sort of, is it cranking up? Well, as the director of football and everyone really associated with Juventus, they always come out to you know, stand by their managers, as they did under Allegri and Sarri. But I think everyone knows, especially within Italian football and Serie A, that you know, it's not been good enough for a team of Juventus standards and with the players that they have to, to only be scrapping for a top four finish is really poor for them. And obviously, out of the Champions League, again, to a team that, we'd all have expected them to beat um, so I would be shocked if he was still there next season especially with some really high profile managers being available obviously Allegri could you know you never know he could return there they've also now got Hansi Flick who looks like he's leaving Bayern at the end of the season um, even Mourinho himself 
you know, it wouldn't shock me if he went there. Uh, I don't think he's quite what Juventus are looking for, but you never know. And uh, yeah, I'd be surprised if he was there next season. It's interesting, isn't it, what like a CV can do to you? Because you look at someone like even Klopp, for example, he's done so well in his career. And obviously, we're champions of the league who are struggling to get top four. But I think because obviously Klopp's got the reputation and he's done so well, quite rightly, he's not under any other real pressure. Whereas, obviously, people like Perlo haven't done anything yet. The same with Lampard when he got let go as well. It's interesting, isn't it? That, um... It is. And, and as you say, with these inexperienced managers who are all great players... It's the same goes for Oli on the Solskjaer, Mikel Arteta, you know, these managers who you know, have taken such big jobs as their first job. It was the same for Thierry Henry when he, when he took the Monaco job. You know, these, these people are under such huge amounts of pressure to, mm. to succeed. And when it goes wrong, you know, they're automatically written off as bad managers. And I, you know, I believe Frank Lampard is, is a very good manager. I just... I think he needed more time with Chelsea and in my opinion I believe Arteta and Solskjaer are both good managers as well whether they are world-class elite managers is yet to be seen and the same goes for Pirlo and even even Gerrard I mean he's done a, an amazing job mm. with Rangers but obviously the Scottish League is a far cry to the Premier League and all the other elite leagues within Europe yeah. uh, so it'd be interesting to see what he would do with a Premier League club, for instance, a club like, I don't know, someone like Wolves or Newcastle, that kind of calibre. But, yeah. So that sums up our Italian League chat. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for that. That was quite, that was really interesting chat. Um, so now we're going to go over to one of the only leagues in the year that appears to have a title race left um, in Spain. So, um, Naeem, if you want to do the honours, if you want to kickstart the Spanish chat, um, what's going on there? Yeah, so um, currently at the top of the table is Atletico Madrid. They're on 73 points, three points ahead of Real Madrid in second place. They both played 32 games, so, you know, it can it can go either way. In third place, we have Barcelona. They've got 68 points, but they've got a game in hand over the, the two teams above them, and they're yet to still play Atletico Madrid. So, you know, they can still creep in there and win the, win the title. Uh, so, VR, they're, they're, occupying, they're occupying the the fourth place with 67 points and they're they're 17 points um from Real Sociedad are in fifth place so I can't see uh, any other team breaking into the top four this season um Robert, yeah Real Madrid yeah they, they've been unbeaten in the last five games they managed to to get a win against Barcelona in the El, El Clasico two weekends ago down at the bottom of the table, we've got occupying the relegation spots. We've got Huesca, Elche, and Ibar. Now, with Huesca and Elche, there's only one point separating them from the drop, so it's all to play for. They can, they, they, I reckon, they probably can still get get out of there because Elche drew their last game. Um, in terms of the top goal scorers, um, obviously it's going to be Lionel Messi. He's top of the table with 25 goals. Behind him is Benzema. But um, with Atletico Madrid, they've still got Jao Felix and Luis Suarez to come back. They've been um, injured for the last two to three weeks, so they've still got them to come back and boost their title chances. That can be their first title in seven years for them. So Simeone would probably want to try and push them through um, because they because they haven't really done too well in the Champions League recently. So so yeah, and in seventh place we've got Villarreal, Unai Emery's team. They 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 occupy the UEFA Conference League space. Um, they're one point one one point off of um, the the Europa League places. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, really. So I want to ask you now. I'll go for all of us, but I ask you first as the Spanish league guy. Um, who do you reckon is going to go ahead and do it? Do you reckon it'll be Atletico? Do you reckon Barca Madrid? Who do you reckon is going to actually win it? I reckon. Uh, I reckon. I think Atletico Madrid will, will do it. Um, they've been top of the table for quite a while now, and they did have quite a bit of a lead earlier on in the season. But yeah. they did start. They did go through a little bit of a rough patch where they were dropping points. But you just never know, really, because if Barcelona win their next game, and then if they beat Atletico Madrid, then that will that's that's that'll be six points. So that would put them that would put them yeah one point above above Atletico Madrid, provided that they don't 
that they that, that they don't drop any more points. So I reckon it'll probably be out of Atletico Madrid and probably Barcelona. Real Madrid probably st- still do have a slim chance because they are doing quite well, but they've still got the Champions League to focus on. So mm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether I don't know whether Zidane's going to want to um, put all his eggs in that basket or or whether he's going to try and go for the league because only three points behind them, but they have played the same amount of games. So yeah, it's all to play for. But you never know. Sevilla they could creep in. You never know. They're only they're six points behind. Behind Atletico Madrid, but they have played the same same amount of games as them. So, yeah, it's all to play for, man. I'm yeah, I'm quite excited to see how it's going because in recent years it's just always been Real Madrid and Barcelona dominating the league. So, yeah, it'll be good to um, see Atletico Madrid um, win it again after seven years. Yeah, I think it is quite refreshing in any league, fans. I think it's been quite good the fact that uh, a lot of these European leagues have been quite sort of like is it Inter Milan, for example, doing well in Italy, and obviously not being just Barca Madrid, I think that's been quite refreshing, I think, not having the same teams. Obviously, Bayern are running away with it in Germany, but I think it'll be the same in the French League as well. It's nice to have, it's not the same teams winning it. And it's and yeah, and like you said, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously good to have a title race as well, because uh, there's no point watching, well, you still watch these leagues, but when there's just one team running away, it doesn't really make it exciting, but no, yeah, with the league, no. yeah, it can go up anyway. It's just, it just depends on who's going to be dropping points next, and um, yeah, it's, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, what, what what do you think, Ryan? Do you think they're gonna Atletico are gonna win it as well, or do you fancy one of the usual two to to get it in the end? It's interesting, isn't it? Because as now you mentioned, normally it's Real Madrid or Barcelona, and even in recent seasons, it's not even been close between them. One normally is above the other, and it's just like it's never really a proper title race. Where this season, at least, we're getting a proper three-way one, four-way one, if you include Sevilla, which. As Naeem said, they have a very slim chance if the other top three do drop points. But in my opinion, I I just think Real Madrid, for some reason, will mm. will be able to do it because they seem to be able to scrape results together. Uh, but then again, Barca have hit a bit of form lately. And as Naeem said as well, Atletico have got both João Felix and Luis Suarez to come back. And obviously, the two, probably their two best players and... Yeah, they could well make the difference, but I do expect it to go to the last game of the season. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of share the same sort of views as you, Ryan. I think that Madrid might, Real Madrid might do it. I just think, I mean, I re- rarely watch Spanish football, so I'm not really the best person to really have opinion. But I've seen Madrid play in the Champions League, and I've seen obviously all, all three teams for that matter play in the Champions League. But Madrid just really impressed me. I think the ways that Dan's gotten playing. Without the likes, without Ronaldo there anymore, because I thought I thought first that Zidane, oh, he won't be as good as that Ronaldo, but I think he's really impressed me, especially against us, about how um, how well they were, how well they defended, how well they went forward. So, yeah, I, I think that Madrid might do it, but it'd be interesting, it'd be really interesting to see. And I hope that it's not. I mean, I don't like any of the teams to be honest, but I, I, I hope it is someone different and not just the usual two. So I wouldn't mind Atletico going on to win it. So, yeah, and yeah. like you say, with. With Atletico, you do wonder when the day comes for Diego Simeone to leave the club because he's been there for such a long time. So long, yeah. And so long. I mean, he's already won a league title there a long, you know, a few years back. It doesn't really look like they're going to get the Champions League again because no. the, te- the teams around them have just strengthened. But as you mentioned with Real Madrid, obviously when they lost Ronaldo, a lot of team, you know, a lot of people expected them to sort of drop off, and they. Just, they have a little bit, but they was always going to because of his brilliance. And mm. it'll be very interesting to see if in the summer they decide to go in for either Mbappe or Haaland because if they were to get one of them two, you know, they're, they're a different animal than they, you, you'd expect them to be one of the favourites oh. for the Champions League. Yeah, I think Haaland's just like the perfect replacement. So Benzema's one day he's going to leave because obviously he's getting on a bit now. And I think Haaland's be the perfect sort of player to come in and just do a similar job if not if not better so I think that that would be a great signing I think for anyone not just not, not, not just Real Madrid I think any team getting Haaland will significantly improve this is it and it's the same in my opinion Mbappe is a, a more similar kind of player to Ronaldo just because he can play on either flank and up front and it's just mm. the energy that he has and speed that he has it's just incredible to watch and him being a, a Real Madrid fan as a youngster, you can re- definitely see it happening. If not this summer, then 
one of the you know, next few years without a doubt. And I feel like with Real Madrid and the whole um, ESL situation, I believe that was one of the main points for them that mm. they they needed that money to be able to pursue these targets and yeah, you know Spanish football with the top two, top three clubs not being in the best financial situation. Obviously Barcelona, you know, incredibly high in debt. It'll be interesting to see what kind of players they go for in the summer mm. because mm-hmm. you know, Barca obviously been linked with Aguero on a free transfer and I think that they will look at bargains and free transfers this summer and youngsters, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we mentioned Haaland. Uh, one league he might go to is the Premier League. Um, so thank you, uh, Naeem, for your for your Spanish league input. Um, but yeah, well, now on to the Premier League. Um, this is obviously this is where I'm going to be talking about that. Um, obviously, as you all know, Man City are pretty much there in terms of the t- title now. I think they're pretty much think they're only, what, three wins away from the league title. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much dead cert. Same with relegation. I think that um, the three teams right now, I think, um, especially after West Brom's defeat the other day, I think they're definitely gone. Uh, obviously, Sheffield are already relegated, and I think Fulham uh, pretty much, unless they go on a mad run of great form and Burnley just don't win a game for the rest of the season, I think that's the only chance of staying up. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really good. Top four is really interesting. Obviously, Leicester's win last night, Gives them a little bit of breathing space in terms of the top four. Then it's between Chelsea, West Ham and Liverpool for that other place, really. So um, as, as a Liverpool fan, hopefully we are the team that gets that fourth space. But I actually wanted to go through a little bit of debate with you guys today. Um, I've been preparing this for a few days. Um, now, I, I did sort of see the other day a big debate over um, one probably one of the most hotly, hotly debated topics in in British football, at least, is over who's better between um, Paul Scholes, uh, Stephen Gerrard, and Frank Lampard. Um, I think this has been a this is a sort of a, a debate which has go, has been going on for the last few years, probably the last five years especially, over um, diff, different fans, uh, different different opinions, and people have sort of different views, different reasons for each for each player. Um, so I thought I'd get sort of something like that going with those guys, um, just to sort of get everyone talking about who they think is the better of the three. Um, so I'm going to kick off because it's my, because it's a Premier League. Um, I personally, I think it is Steven Gerrard and I know everyone's going to think I'm being biased by saying this because obviously being a Liverpool fan and I know one person in particular who is listening to this podcast will say the same thing. But I, I have my reasons for this and I, I do fully stand behind my, my point of view as to why I think he is the better player. Um, I think there are, you've got to look at first of all that, um, I will say first of all that of, of every all these three players are fantastic players. So I think every player, these probably are the three best centre midfielders, I'd say, in Premier League history, in terms of British centre midfielders. I think these are the, the three best we've seen. Um, but then also, I think you got to look at sort of, obviously, there are different players, but also obviously Skulls is more number six, Gerald's more number eight, and Lampard's sort of more like a number 10. Um, but I do think that there are genuine reasons why I do think Gerald is the better of the three. And I'll also ask you boys for your opinions as well. Uh, what you think as well. I think the fact that, first of all, I think Gerald's got a record, I think, eight times um, in the PFA Team of the Year, which obviously is an award voted for by players. And I think that overall, I think that, um, I think Skulls has got, and Lampard have got two or three each. They've not really had as many. And obviously this shows that, for me, why I think personally Gerald is the better player of the three. Um, and I think you got to look at things like also, um, for example, um there's a, a FA final unofficially called the Gerrard final. I think you got the 2006 final against West Ham. Uh, I think that for me uh, was Gerrard at his best, of course. And I think, I, I, I know Lampard's got the goal against Bolton at one Chelsea league. I know Scholes has got the goal against Barcelona in the Champions League semi. But I think there are so many more games that Gerrard had over these two. Some of the games where he did sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, I think you got to look at the Olympiacos game, the Champions League game. Off the Champions League final, um, the, the West Ham FA Cup final I just mentioned before, even things that I remember we played Inter Milan, 2007 Champions League, and he scored a 20, 30 yard goal to basically give winners winners a tie. Um, I think you got to look at the goal he scored against uh, Villa and that free kick in 2007. Um, you got to look at the goal he scored against Middlesbrough 2008. Um, both these goals coming in the in injury time to win the Liverpool game. I think there's just so many more times. I think personally that that Gerard won the team the game over Lampard and Skulls, despite the, these two having 
way better players around them than Gerald did. Obviously, Gerald had the players like Alonso, Mascherano, Torres, but not a whole team full of stars like Chelsea and Man U did. Um, so, I, yeah, that's why I sort of I've been thinking. I know people again. The people will think I'm being biased, but this is my genuine view. I genuinely believe that all three players are fantastic. But I think for me, Gerald had a bit more about him. And I think that people are going to always going to look back to these trophies never won. But I think he'd have won the exact amount of trophies that the other two did if he was with the teams he was. I think if Gerald had gone to Chelsea like he he almost did, I think he'd be on the same trophies Lampard is. I think that Gerald was just unlucky that he was sort of um, in a team where it wasn't the best and a team that did struggle for trophies. Um, so that's my opinion. Um, what, what do you boys think? I'll go for Naeem first. Yeah, with me... Um... It's kind of a well. It was. It's it's kind of a little bit of a edge 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 a bit. Um, I'll, I'll probably say I'll go with probably Frank Lampard. Um, obviously, what he done in that Chelsea team. Obviously, like you said, Chelsea. You know, they had a lot. They had, they're pretty much what backed by Roman Abramovich at the time when obviously Lampard was pretty much a mainstay in their team. Um, but yeah, the impact that he he kind of had on the team. Obviously, the goals he scored. Like obviously, the highest goal scoring midfielder um, in their history. Um, yeah, like that's done. That's that's what yeah, that's what I really think. To be fair, um, you know, he's what, he's what won three Premier Leagues, won a couple of FA Cups, won a Champions League. Um, yeah, um, yeah, he had pretty much yeah, he had a good obviously career, but obviously with England. That that golden generation, obviously, you had Gerard, you had Skulls there, and you had you had obviously Lampard as well. But obviously, they didn't really amount to anything, which obviously was kind of a disappointment with all the obviously midfield and all the talent they had there. But yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with uh, Lampard with this one. Um, yeah, just because of the impact that he had. Yeah, and going back to the point about the England team, I think it is criminal that Sven didn't play them three as a middle three. I think he was he played Skulls that white as well, didn't he? You bring them? Yeah, he played him out. I think. Yeah, yeah, he played him yeah, out, didn't he? That's a massive issue because I think that obviously I my view is when Gerald and Lampard played together for England in a four four two, they were almost too similar. Whereas I think if you had four three three, for example, and you had skulls in that three with them, I think he would then do the work. They they don't have to do so they could then just be free to go forward. Whereas I think that's the issue that had they had was the fact that obviously they were too similar and they were just playing expected to do sort of both defensive work and also the attacking work. Whereas I think if they had had skulls in that middle three behind them, I think that could have really, I think that could have made England actually fulfil their potential personally. I think that's it. Yeah. How bad a manager he was. Well, not a bad manager, but I think he just could have done so much more with that England team. Yeah, he, just, he didn't get he didn't get the best out of him, did he? Like with, no, with no. But, um, yeah, no, looking better for England now, but. Yeah, I think they got. I think they got a genuine chance of actually doing well. I think they could generally, especially home home advantage as well. I think that England genuinely have a chance of getting to the final. I really do. I think with people like Grealish, Mason Mount, uh, Phil Foden, uh, Jaden Sancho, even Jude Bellingham. Um, yeah, I think he's coming even, up well about Dortmund, yeah, isn't he? He's doing yeah, of course, well, Kane as well. Kane, Kane will be there as well. Um, of course, your guys' favourite player, Kane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think they got. I don't know when. I think France will be too strong for them. Uh, but I do think they got a genuine chance of making the Euros, of winning, of reaching the finals at least, uh, at least the semi-final. I think that should be the expectation. But yeah, Ryan, what do you think about that? Who would you say out of the three? Would you say is your is your best player? This is a hard one, isn't it? Because mm. I mean, I thought I thought about it for you know a few days now and it seems to change quite consistently I've, I think it just depends on what like, as you say what type of midfielder you, like you like personally because as you say they were all pretty different and I mean with Gerard, he could do both roles pretty well uh, he was you know a good tackler of the ball he could you know drive the ball forward string passes together score goals so he did have a lot you know, and I, for me, it's, it's it's really close between him and Lampard because they both had such massive impacts on their clubs. And as you say, with Gerard, he was in, you know, not as good a team as obviously Chelsea at the time, and especially in the sort of two thousand five, six, seven, eight, nine years, obviously Liverpool weren't at their best then, and he had to deal with a lot of rubbish in that team, quite frankly. And with That's Lampard. Exactly. With 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 Lampard, he's he's always had a Chelsea quality surrounding him, mm, and yeah. that always helps. That always makes a player look better. Um, with Skulls, 
for me, it's, it's not something United fans would like to hear at all. I mean, he he is a great player, but for me, he is overhyped and overrated quite a lot, especially by United fans. But as United fans are always going to do that. We all, you know, every club's fans always think their legends are the best, and you know, fair enough. I'm not going to try and change their opinions, but um, for me, he just didn't have quite the same impact on United as. Lampard and Jared had at Chelsea and Liverpool respectively and I think to just edge it just because of his goal record and the impact he had on Chelsea's team it just has to be Lampard just for me but Yeah I think I think it is interesting I think everyone has sort of valid reasons for three I think I think there's a genuine reason for three and I think it is down to opinion uh, but I do think you're right about the whole I think Scholes is, yeah, fantastic, fantastic player. And I still think he's a good player. But I just think that Lampard and Gerrard probably do top it for me. Um, and I think there's also this big thing about trophies as well. Cause I think everyone's all focused on, oh, Gerrard didn't win this, Gerrard win that. But I think people like Anderson and Nanny won more trophies than Gerrard. That doesn't mean they're better players than them. So that, that's always been my issue with the whole debate, that people always bring up the trophies rather than the actual ability on the pitch. Um, no, absolutely. Like you say, it's, it's one of them, like, like trophies... They aren't everything at the end of the day. It is the legacy you leave behind. But, I mean, it's not something you would like to hear at all. But I think something that obviously did slightly taint Gerrard's reputation and his legacy at Liverpool, obviously, was that slip. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. That, that word is banned from this podcast. That word is not being mentioned. <laughs> Nothing in that, that word is not being, that moment has not been brought up on this podcast. As the host, I'm, I'm going to mute that, that mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that brings back painful memories. Still. It's one of those, yeah, as you say, it's one of those unfortunate things that happened. But I mean, people do, you know, they look at it a bit too much for my liking because it is criminal that he didn't win a Premier League winners' medal, and it is a shame that I mean he got the Champions League, and obviously he was part of one of the most historic nights. Obviously, he will always go down as a as a great legend through Liverpool. And, it would not shock me at all in the next few years if he is in the dugout there. Um, mm. And it'll be very interesting to see what he does because he has proved himself to be a very good manager with Rangers. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things. And so I'll just, just, just slightly feel that Lampard just had a bit of a, you know, he was more involved with Chelsea's success than what Gerrard was. But as I say, it's extremely close. So, boys, um, Naeem and Ryan, as Arsenal fans, I just want to sort of talk to you guys, obviously, with this whole Gerard Lampard's goals debate. Um, do you think Danielson gets anywhere near them? <laughs> no chance, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old Danielson. He came with such a great reputa- reputation as well from Brazil. Um, he, just, he just didn't really flat to this, uh, did he? You know, he scored uh, a few like long-range goals. I remember that free kick, I think it was against Hull, he scored. Um, yeah, as you say, he was in, he was in those... I, I remember them quite vividly now, like the, them Carlin Cup teams with the likes of Carlos Vela, you know, Jeremy Alliadier, these kind of icons of Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a shame, like I say, it didn't work for him because he, he did look so promising when he first sort of came onto the scene with Arsenal. When in, but like I say, with Brazilian players, it's kind of hit and missing, so they mm. seem to go one way or the other. Yeah, they are really good or they're just bang average and crap, like... And obviously, yeah. Andre Santos, remember how terrible he was? Oh, <laughs> I think one, one, one of the worst left backs we've probably had for the team. <laughs> oh. um, so, yeah, that concludes our Premier League roundup. Um, so, other news um, today obviously, there's currently a Premier League game going on between Arsenal and Everton. It's currently nil nil as we stand, which is why you've not heard any screams yet from these two. <laughs> any sort of any screams of pain when they, they can see the goal. Um, obviously, before the game, there's loads of protests by Arsenal fans over the uh, infamous European Super League proposals that took place this week. Um, other news um, Ryan Giggs has been relieved of his duties uh, as Wales manager after some. Um, after he was convicted, oh, not, he was charged even with um, assaulting two women, as well as some sort of uh, dodgy behaviour, some controlling and coercive behaviour as well, going on for a two or three year period. Um, so yeah, and obviously Rob Rob Page will take over um, as he had done already. He'll sort of take over now for the Euros. Um, so not sure what's going to happen with that. Um, I think potentially this might be the end of Giggs' time as Wales manager. I think 
if we do well, he may just get told to leave. Uh, other news, Wembley will get an extra year of 2020 tie. Um, Dublin will be dropped as a host, as it seems more and more likely now that they will sort of have pretty much most of the tournament being played in England. I think this is where it's going to go. Um, now, um, our final discussion point today is something that Ryan has planned. Um, Ryan has told me that he's got a debate he wants us to, to talk about. So, Ryan, what is it you'd like to talk to us about today? Well, obviously, we've all seen the news this week regarding the European Super League. It was quite hard to miss on Sunday night when it did break. And, obviously, the controversy that is sort of rumbled on throughout the week, we now know that it's relevant because it won't be going ahead. The English teams have pulled out. And I'm not so sure about the other European clubs. I don't really know that, you know, official position. So I don't want to mention them. But it's not really in regards to the the Super League itself because more knowledgeable people than myself and you know the rest of us have spoken about it enough times this week. We all know what it's you know what it's like. And my point of view is the you know the hypocrisy from. UEFA, FIFA, uh, Sky, BT, the uh, Premier League, the Football Association, the government, and all the other domestic associations throughout Europe as well, because we all know that this Super League was never really going to happen. And, you know, for me, it was just a calculated gamble from the clubs to try and get more money and more power from UEFA and for the Champions League format to work in their favour. Whether it's worked or not, I don't know. But in terms of UEFA and FIFA stance, the fact that they came out with such strong statements and some of the words used, you know, especially from other people in the media as well, like the words such as disgraceful and disgusting and you know, anti-football and all this other stuff. And of course it is all that. You know, we all know that. We, it didn't need to be said in such a way because... As football fans, we all knew what the score was. But with with UEFA and with FIFA, these are two organisations that have been corrupt for such a long time. And that is an opinion. That is a fact. The same goes for the FA and the Premier League. And, I mean, for the government to come out and start condemning things, that's incredible considering the poor job that they've done, especially over the last year. And the fact that they've really sort of deserted the working class of this country, for them to say anything about anything being disgraceful and being bad is quite shocking for me to hear. But I just want to talk about some of the things that I've seen on Twitter this week in regards to the so-called saviors of football. PSG and Bayern, two clubs that were mentioned. Chelsea fans felt they were the ones who sort of instigated this boycott. Um, we saw other clubs as well, like um, Valencia and other clubs in Italy, Spain, Germany, France, who sort of came out and condemned this, as well as the other Premier League clubs. But for me, not all of these clubs throughout these other leagues, if they were all offered a place in that league, they would all have taken. They would all have said yes without any shadow of a doubt, because the amount of money that was being talked about was too much for any club to ignore and. For the owners to do that anyway was was shocking and was unforgivable in my view. But for UEFA and FIFA, as I've said, we'll go on to we'll say FIFA first because I mean they're always in scandals and corruptions going back to 2015 with the corruption case in which 14 members were found guilty of wire fraud, racketeering, money laundering. We've also seen. Uh, the president set Blatter banned from football for a period of time for violating FIFA ethics, whatever that means. Obviously, they're not obviously going to come out and say exactly what he'd done wrong, but it obviously is bad. And the con- obviously, the controversy with Qatar getting the World Cup next, well, I was going to say next summer, but it's not next summer. It's shocking that a country that still imposes slave labour, although not on official level, but we've seen by the Gary Neville documentary that it still goes on there how that country was given a World Cup I mean even Russia before shouldn't have been given one but the fact that this country has been given it the world's greatest tournament 
in sporting terms because it is without shadow of a doubt it's the most watched sporting event in the world for a country that to get this and for it to be changed to december is and if, i don't know if it goes into november or not but you know it's really poor and obviously we all know how they got that um there's going on to you right uefa michelle platini receiving suspicious payments from uh, members of fifa there's the current man in charge there, Infantino, and his involvement in the Panama Papers. And obviously UEFA haven't dealt with the problem of racism throughout the Champions League and Europa League and all the other European leagues very well at all. We've seen evidence of that in recent weeks with um, Glenn Kamara and Slavia Prague. And even English football has had its controversies with... You know, a few years back, um, managers such as Sam Allardyce and Ian Holloway both admitting to taking backhanders from agents to sign players. Um, I believe a man called Kevin Bond, a coach at the time, was sacked because of this. Um, a part, uh, I believe it was a Panorama uh, investigation that mm. was aired. Um, that sort of came out uh, quite a few years ago. And, you know, even moving on to... Bayern Munich and PSG. I mean, Bayern Munich is not too much to say because they're rarely involved in these kind of controversies, um, apart from bullying the rest of the German league and signing their best <laughs> players. Uh, they don't really do a lot. But in terms of PSG and Man City, for this matter, the fact that, I mean, this comment will probably cause a lot of controversy among these sets of supporters. But in my opinion, these two clubs have cheated their way to success because. They've both been found guilty um, of getting around financial fair play. Everybody knows this. And we've also sort of found out in sort of recent years, um, thanks to football leagues, that they've broken a number of rules, including illegally injecting money into both their clubs through sponsorship deals and, you know, doing so much wrong, considering that both these clubs have owners, obviously, from Qatar and Abu Dhabi, two countries uh, already have been accused of human rights violations on multiple occasions. And the fact that any of these people can come out and start using these kind of words, it, it annoys me, quite frankly, especially with Chelsea. I mean, Christ, Chelsea have been relevant since 2004, Man City relevant since 2008, PSG have only been relevant for the last 10 years. Like, none of these clubs have, you know, great histories that can be talked about, especially with Roman Abramovich taking over at Chelsea when he did, because this is also a man that isn't squeaky clean. You know, twice in the past, he's been taken to court over allegations of blackmail, breach of trust, breach of contract. Obviously, he's good friends with um, you know, the good guy of the world in Vladimir Putin. And... It's, it just annoys me that the, these kind of things have been said, you know, obviously BT and Sky as well, along with the Premier League. I mean, these these are people that charge pay-per-view prices for fans in an economic and global pandemic and crisis. You know, they were charging £15 to watch a game of football. You know, and they weren't even all, always good games either. Like They were on at silly times. And it shocks me that they're allowed to, to get away with these things and these things are almost forgotten when something like the European Super League comes about. And I re- you know, I'll go over it again that I'm not in favour of, of this Super League by any stretch of the imagination. Like, the only people that deserve any kind of credit and recognition for getting this stopped is every football fan as a collective, not just one set of fans, like mm. Chelsea keeps saying. Mm-hmm. And it, it annoys me that, you know, that they've managed to get around it. I mean, and, and lastly, on the point of the Super League, you know, I'm all for banter, and I've seen that Arsenal and, and Tottenham a bit were targeted on Twitter and social media for their participation in the league. And fair enough, obviously, both clubs haven't had great seasons, especially over the last couple of years. Um, Arsenal more so. And for me, like Gary Neville... You know, him and Jamie Carragher made some brilliant points and were the two vocal people, you know, speaking for the fans. But 
to start taking pot shots like he did on Monday Night Football, especially at Arsenal, saying that he would rather watch the champions of San Marino than Arsenal at the moment, is quite annoying considering that out of the last six or seven years, Arsenal finished above Man United more times, four to two, obviously probably four to three after this season. But you know, to for the, for those two clubs to be targeted, considering other teams in the competition like AC Milan, who haven't won a trophy in ten years, Inter Milan, who haven't won anything since two thousand eleven, I believe, um, Atletico Madrid don't really have that much going for them either. Like. For me, all those 12 clubs, not one of them had any right to say that they should be in that league. Um, so that's mm. what I didn't like to see. And obviously, me being an Arsenal fan, people will say, again, I'm being biased, but not for one of those clubs or a couple of those clubs to be targeted in the manner that they were, especially from people in media. You know, when, you, when it's just football fans on Twitter, you know that's just their opinion. But when it's actual people who are involved in football, you know, whether it's a joke or whether it's an actual valid opinion, that just didn't kind of sit well with me. I mean, I will say in terms of the clubs, I mean, I, I, I think with 18, I think 18 into us, such ma- massive clubs. I mean, they've won how many European clubs combined? I mean, there's so much history in terms of those two clubs. I mean, even ones, I mean, I think, I think, I think it's factor for Spurs is wise that they haven't won a trophy since not a league title since 1961. I think that's the big thing for Spurs. And I think Arsenal are just. I think it's just the way they've been the last few years, really. Um, well, I, I do, I do find it hard to sort of. Um, sorry, what were you going to say, Ryan? No, sorry. As, as you say, you know, I could probably speak for ten minutes, uh, destroying Spurs and you know their involvement in this competition because they have no right to be in it. But I'm, I'm not going to do that because that would destroy my point of view. What I've just said, and it, as it, as I say, none of those teams had any right to say that they should be in there above the other because of something or other. But as you mentioned, like with with Spurs, obviously that history and they can't really be compared to Arsenal. It's whether you compare a couple of seasons or history, because for me, history can't be forgotten because it's there. It happened. And Liverpool fans were, were mocked, you know, for a long, long time for constantly talking about that history. Oh, massively, massively, yeah. And that always annoyed me because, you know, these this is these are achievements that have been done and that have been achieved um, pretty much without money, like some of the other clubs that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, you, you can never, you know, you know, you can never say that for me. And, yeah, as I mentioned, I just didn't like, you know, people like Gary and... You know, people on TalkSport. TalkSport isn't something that I always like to mention. Um, but, yeah, I just didn't didn't like it, really. I mean, I, I think I find it hard to sort of criticise shows like TalkSport, Sky and BT, because I think particularly Sky, the introduction of Sky, I think, has really helped the British game. I think that, obviously, I think introduction, the Premier League introduction back in 92, I think that's been the real source. That was the real start of... Of the, the making, it, I think it's really took. I think it's taken the English game to another level personally. So I, I, I won't have a go at those three particular platforms. Um, I do have a my PSG thing. Where I, th- I do think because the because there was talk about obviously the um, anyone who played in the Super League would have a ban from any sort of major like Champions League or any major tournament like sort mm. of internationally. I do think that that maybe on the back of my mind maybe some PSG. Maybe PSG, the fact that maybe they think, oh, if we don't go it and these teams get ahead of it, then we can maybe attract the likes of Messi, the likes of De Bruyne, the likes of Mbappe, not Mbappe, um, the likes of... Um, oh, the, my theory is that PSG said no because they thought if they don't do it and it goes ahead, then they can maybe get these players who want to play World Cup and Euros to come to us. And I think, this is, I think it's the same with maybe Bayern as well for that matter. Um, I mean, I, mean I, I do agree. Um, with what you said, and it, I just I feel like they done what they done because secretly they knew that this was never going to take off. And as we've as I saw earlier on Sky Sports, um, Carve Solica was talking about um, the fact that Bayern's uh, I don't know if you call him a chairman or the basically the man in charge. Uh, he's now been given a seat on the UEFA board, 
And we've also seen PSG's man in charge. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, Nasser Al-Khalifi, but he's now been made the president of this UEFA committee board. And, you know, so they've been, they've almost been rewarded for, for not taking part. And in my opinion, like they knew what they were doing. And I've, I just feel like they, they kind of had a sneaky suspicion that it wasn't going to take off. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, what, what do you think, Naeem? What, what do you think about all this? Um, yeah, with the, with PSG, I reckon, well, my theory is, obviously, why they weren't ever a name considered for this league was, obviously, they're backed by, what, Qatari billionaires, and, obviously, where's the next World Cup being held, held? In Qatar. So, obviously, with FIFA and everything there, I reckon they probably probably didn't go in there because, obviously, the backlash they'll probably get uh, from obviously from going into the Super League and yeah to touch on FIFA as well um, yeah they, like Ryan was saying yeah they are they are pretty corrupt themselves with obviously all the scandals they've had over the last couple of years especially obviously with where the next two World Cups uh, will be held obviously the one in Russia like I reckon England should have got that one because with Russia they they had to build stadiums themselves but with England we already had all the infrastructure all the stadiums would have already, already been there and um Obviously, with the Qatar World Cup, I was just, um, looking at an article the other day. Um, it's, it's said it's revealed that 6,500 mi- migrant workers have died in Qatar. But even that, they said that that's an underestimate. So it's probably way more than that. And yeah, that's us. That's us disgusting, really. Like it, this, the World Cup should should never ever have been held in Qatar. Number one, it's not being held in the summer because it's too hot out there. And then number two, they're having it in November slash December next year, which is going to disrupt all the leagues. So yeah, there's just a lot of lot of corruption going on there. And yeah, UEFA they're not they're not really um any they're not really innocent themselves. So yeah, all these governing bodies, um, obviously touching on what Ryan was saying, they um they they're they're just as bad as the people that wanted to create the Super League, like. You know the the thing the, what they're coming out with is just, just a load of rubbish. Like they they were the scared because obviously the money and the power shift would have been with this Super League. Um, obviously, if it ever did did go ahead, so yeah, they're they in my opinion they're they're all just as bad as each other really. And um, it's it's at the end of the day, it's really the fans that suffer the most really because look look at Sky Sports. Obviously, obviously they're charging what fifteen pounds to watch watch a game. Uh, during, obviously during a pandemic, that's that that was just ridiculous. Like I didn't personally pay to watch any of those matches because number one, they're behind closed doors, so there's there's no atmosphere anyway. And yeah, it's just it's it's just yeah. It's, like I said, yeah, the fans we're the ones that will suffer because it's just we're just getting priced out of the game. Really, it's just it's just crazy. It's just who can make the most money these days. And yeah, I don't agree with it, but there's not much we really can do, really, is there? So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think with whole with the FIFA waiver thing, I think that. A lot of these things are made by decisions are made by people who no longer work for FIFA and UEFA. Like things like the whole World Cup thing was with Sepp Blatter, and obviously he no longer works for FIFA. And I think also the whole thing with Platini, obviously he's no longer part of it. So I do think potentially this the things may change. For me personally, I think obviously I think obviously the worst people have now left, but obviously things could change. I don't know what's going on nowadays. I don't know whether what obviously. Because I think even with this new Champions League reform, that's not exactly much better. I mean, I've, I've, I've looked at it earlier today. The whole the proposal for the new Champions League it doesn't look great, to be honest. And I think I think they are mm. trying to change it too much. But yeah, I, yeah it, it is interesting because I think there is definitely, in terms of these sort of governing bodies, I think there is definitely sort of a, almost like a not a civil war, but sort of you know I think it's definitely sort of. Um, Definitely a, a battle between the three of them. I think there is sort of, you know, a lot of a lot that's, of trying to better like one up on each other and things like that. That's it, isn't it? I mean, it and it winds me up that these organisations and these businesses were almost defending the fans and saying that it's not right for the fans and it's being taken away from the fans. Like that's such a load of rubbish. Like they would, they do not think of the fans. They were mm. thinking of their own pockets. That's and, it. And, and that's how it's always been, and that's probably how it will always be, unfortunately, because we've seen the shift. Obviously, you know, it wasn't that long ago, many years ago, where we had free football on ITV, on Channel 4, on BBC One. Obviously, we still get uh, certain World Cup games and certain FA Cup games on 
um, free-to-air TV. But the fact that, especially with the Champions League now, we, I mean, we've seen the Champions League was getting stale. Like the viewing figures were going down, and I don't think that's in terms of the quality of football. I mean, that's just because it's gone to BT Sport, and because they pay such a, a vast amount of money for it, they have to now charge quite a high monthly fee, something that a lot of people, especially working class fans, can't afford. And with that, I can't see it ever going backwards now unless it all absolutely collapses because it's got to such a high premium now that because obviously BT are paying so much money, obviously that money is going to UEFA. UEFA are then able to give more money to clubs. Clubs are then able to give more money to players and obviously pay more for players. So it's all that kind of bubble where it's rising and rising and rising. Unless it absolutely bursts, it ain't going back down. And you know, we're not. I don't think we're ever going to see the likes of Champions League football and the Premier League back on free to air TV unless it all goes to kind of like a streaming service, which I think we could see in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I think that's definitely yeah. something we could see. Yeah, like obviously, like I hear what you're saying, Ryan. Obviously, you've got Premier League games, they're getting shown on Amazon now. So it's just sooner or later, it's, it's just going to be split over so many different streaming sites, and the, the money it's going to cost is just, it's just crazy, man. I mean, this, this is it. I mean, on top of a TV license that you're already paying, you know, you're paying for Sky Sports, and you can't obviously just pay for. Premier League games, you have to pay for the whole of Sky Sports, and it's the same for BT Sport. And then, as you say, when they get and there's games on Amazon Prime, you've then got to pay for them as well. And it it all just gets you know way too out of control. And you know it is the fans that ultimately suffer. And as you say, football is nothing without the fans. So eventually, something will happen. I mean, we're already seeing. I mean, something this week that was reported, unfootball-related, is um, Eddie Hearn, who obviously is the head of Matchroom Boxing, and, well, now he's head head of Matchroom Everything, but obviously they had a long-standing partnership with Sky Sports, in which, obviously, all the you know big British boxers would be on Sky, and it's now likely, and being reported, that that will all be moved to the streaming service DAZN, which is obviously just come to the UK, having been in uh, America and around the world for the last few years. And that'll be extremely interesting to see what happens there because mm. there are, you know, a few reports that they are going after the Premier League rights and as well as other things as well. So, you know, I'd be surprised if anything, you know, major didn't happen. I mean, with Sky Sports, you've seen things like La Liga disappear over the last few years, you know, that yeah. used to used to be such a great. Obviously, you know, I used to watch um, Revista de la Liga uh, with yeah. Ian Balaga back in the day on Sky Sports. You know, that was a great show, and you know, I think they saw when Ronaldo left that the league was kind of dwindling and the numbers were dropping, and I think that was what pushed that decision. But the fact that no other major, you know, British broadcasters have picked that up apart from, you know, I don't even know what it's on, Premier Sports? Yeah, it's on yeah, Premier, so. yeah, Premier Sports now. And that's a separate subscription fee now as well. So, exactly. no one's so, added to the list. You know, and where, I mean, Serie A and uh, the Bundesliga, both on BT Sport. I mean, BT Sport isn't, uh, you know, I don't have the greatest affection to BT Sport, but... You know, they're all, as you say, they're all as bad as each other, and they all just think about money. So, you know, I don't want to hear them coming out saying it's for the fans because it's absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I, as I mentioned before, I'm obviously an NFL fan, and they got this thing in the UK where anything called NFL Game Pass is basically you, you pay something like £170 pound a year, and you basically you can watch any game you want whilst it's on. So I think that is definitely something that would be great for Premier League fans. I think that if you can get a stream where you can literally... So you think of the three o'clock games as well. Um, I know obviously there's, re- there's legal reasons why they can't show normally three o'clock games on TV. Mm. Uh, but I do think that's, that sort of model could be brought to, to football, to, brought to Premier League especially, or any of these sort of European leagues. I think that would really help. But yeah, it, it's an interesting debate and I really enjoyed that. That was quite an interesting debate. Um, but yeah, I think that's... Um, that's all we have time for for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I hope you've all enjoyed the first podcast we've done. Um, we will be doing uh, more more regular podcasts as well. So, and hopefully Alex will be joining us 
um, later on in the podcast as well, in, in future ones. Um, obviously, you can also find us on, on YouTube as well. You'll find our YouTube channel, Euro Trips. Obviously, as, if, if you haven't seen it, I also I, went, I did go to the Leicester Southampton FA Cup semi final. Um, so, my experience of that will be on the channel. That is already on the channel. And also, I am going to the League Cup final on Sunday between Spurs and Man City at Wembley. So, you'll be seeing another video of that experience as well on the channel. Um, so yeah, that, that should be coming at some point next week once once it's all edited. Um, so yeah, that is that. That concludes our podcast. So yeah, we'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Um, I've been Andy. This has been Ryan. This has been Naeem, and we'll speak to you all soon. Yep. Thanks, guys. See, See you later. later.